Hello and welcome to this episode of the AF Mentors podcast. I have a very special guest with me today who has, I wouldn't say directly been requested, but you've come up a lot on our mastermind discussions with just some really nice feedback about your course. So a couple of the people on AFM have done your course or on your course. Um, And every time we talk about social media, you come up. So I thought, who better to have on? So do you, I don't actually know your full background. So do you want to give... Uh, like tell me and all the listeners a little background as to who you are and what you do now yeah sure so my original original background is in marketing like people most may have first come into contact with me as a pt as an online coach but before that i was marketing for jaguar land rover the headquarters doing sort of global marketing and stuff like that so i've had a long background in marketing, sales, service, those sorts of industries. And it got to the point in that job where I liked the marketing. I just didn't like the corporate environment. I just didn't like having to create presentations, spreadsheets for stuff that I didn't care about. I can say it now, but I didn't really care about cars and car parts and selling those things. So it is what it is. Um, So I wanted to go and do something that I just enjoyed. And I'd had a long standing like affinity for fitness. And I had a PT qualification that I got on the side and all those sorts of things. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to make the leap. So I had been running my business as like a side hustle for a period of time. And then what actually happened was the guy that used to work for me, he had a spreadsheet that he would open up on every Friday that had an automated countdown to his days of retirement in years, months, weeks, and days. So you'd you'd open it up and you'd go, 10 years, four months, six weeks and three days or whatever it was. And then I was like, well, how long have I got left? And it was 30 years. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this, this job for 30 years like this. And literally the following Monday, I handed in my notice and then that was it. I was off. Uh, three months later, I basically, my fitness business at that point, because it was a side hustle, was earning maybe £900 a month. It wasn't much. Um, so I thought, right, I've got six months to make this work, take the marketing knowledge that I have, apply it to this fitness business, see what happens. If it all goes belly up in six months, then I'll just go back and find another job. Um, but here I am six years later, and it's doing all right. <laughs> so... And then I did the, the fitness business for, uh, I think, like five years, something like that. And uh, towards the, I wanted to continue that business on, but I always knew that I wanted to go back and do marketing at some point. And then just the stars aligned with me releasing a Canva course that did exceptionally well. And it just felt like the right time to make that shift. So I shifted from doing online coaching to marketing for fitness professionals. So it's kind of come full circle to marketing and, and stuff like that so that's the ah, see the long and the short of, of it sense. yeah so my two favorites so yourself and I don't know if you know Tom Wright uh, he, no. so he again used to be a personal trainer but his background was like product design marketing mm-hmm. and then he worked for Gymshark and now he does like some other marketing things uh, okay. right but I always think like the best people I guess what I'm, I wouldn't say against, but I'm, what I'm always a little bit dubious of is like someone like me, for example, who might look, I mean, I'm definitely not particularly good at marketing or social media, but like <laughs> I've done fairly well from like winging it a bit. And then people are like, well, they've got a big following. They yeah. must know about marketing. Like, no, not necessarily right. But then I might open a marketing course. And it's like, those are the people that I'm always a little yeah. bit dubious of. Like, oh, you were sure. a semi-successful personal trainer now you're a business mentor or now you're a marketer or like, and there's actually yeah. no sort of like rationale for that. Yeah. Anyway, that's really cool that you've got the perfect sort of like mesh of that knowledge, like industry yeah. knowledge and experience and obviously marketing background. Yeah. And I think for me, like having that marketing background, I, as soon as I started working, like obviously I had friends who were personal trainers and things like that. And they were like exceptional personal trainers. They've been doing it for like decades and stuff like that. And they were way better at personal training than I was, but they just couldn't talk about it on, on social media. They couldn't, te- they couldn't communicate how good they were at getting results. And so I, find, I found it super easy to have, I've got marketing skills and business skills already. 
I've been doing the personal training as a side hustle and doing the qualifications, MNU, all that sort of stuff on the side. And it's easier for me to learn the mechanics of helping someone with their nutrition and their training than it is to learn this business and marketing stuff, which is why, like for me, I found that I felt like I was accelerating faster than coaches who were better than I was. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that often it's a case that you get into personal training because you want to be a personal trainer and you want to help people. You don't get into personal training to be good at marketing. And it's then understanding that I think if you want to be an online coach, you really are opening up like a whole new skill set. You're not necessarily a personal trainer anymore. You're a marketer who happens to do personal training. Um, and it can be a, a quite a, a shift. And people, I think that online coaching is just very, very popular right now because of the whole leveraging and time for money and all that sort of stuff. That when people step into that, they don't realize how much work goes into getting one client through the door. And mm. it's not easy. It's not, um, like, and especially as the more and more people do it, you've got to stand out a little bit more. That's really difficult. How do you do all of that? Um, so I think that people go into it a little bit blind. And I think that's not necessarily their fault. That's a lot of to do with people who sell the dream of, yeah, just post more, give value. And the hordes yeah. of people will come to you and they won't. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been a it's been a good journey for me and i i kind of like the way that i've done it that i kind of dabbled in different things and then kind of like uh after 40 odd years trying to figure out okay ah uh, this is what i want to do with life um so it's been kind of cool I, I enjoyed it yeah yeah i think a few things that you said that kind of hit the nail on the head for me like the reason i wanted to start afm is because there are so many incredible coaches who cannot market themselves or cannot run a business or do not understand how like how to do sales and how to build something and ultimately impact more people and i'm mm -hmm. like right so you're such a good coach you've got such good knowledge and sometimes it comes from like naivety from the trainer's standpoint we're like yeah but i don't care about sales or marketing i'm just going to focus on being a good coach and i'm like you'll only ever this is my point you'll only ever be a good coach if you can't sell or market, because you'll never work with enough people to become a great coach. Mm. Like you can't be great until you've had the experience of working with enough people. And to do that, you need to be good at sales and marketing. Like that's part of your job. And when you break it down, because I think sometimes it's just the the terms that turn people off, like, oh, sales always sounds horrible or marketing sounds a bit like woo woo, but it's like exactly what you said, explaining what you do well. That's it. Mm. Being able to articulate what you do and how you can help people. That's the crux of marketing, right? Yeah. And like the, the way that I describe it to people that come on my course is if you imagine you've got yourself on one side uh, or your service on one side and the client on the other and in between them, the two right now is a massive brick wall. They really don't understand what's on the other side. Most people, when you talk to them, don't know or even know what online coaching is. I mean, it might have changed in the last few years, but when I was doing online coaching, I had numerous conversations with people who thought that I was literally going to jump on Zoom with them four times mm -hmm. a week and watch them train in the gym because they had their phone on. I was like, no, 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 that's not how, that's not online coaching. That's like just weird voyeuristic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's not happening. So people just really don't understand that there is this massive misunderstanding of what happens in your program. So really the purpose of content is to just chop away this brick wall so that they can see what is on the other side in terms of the service you offer, what they get, what results they have, how the experience is going to be. And the content should be about giving them that window into the coaching process, the coaching results, what life is like, all those sorts of things, rather than what I feel like most coaches do is they have this brick wall they don't even know is there and they just like lob content grenades over the top like protein oh wow oh here's calories there you go have that one and and it's just like there's no method there's no mechanism to say right the reason why i'm throwing this protein piece of content over the wall is so that you can understand this about my coaching or you can understand this about the process of losing weight so that I can simplify it for you so I can you can understand how I work as a coach like this misses that connection between 
the two people. Like they, there's a disconnect between where the client is at and where the coach is at. There's just this massive disconnect. And I think that that is one of the, the key reasons for content just not working because it just doesn't have this um, thought process behind it. And the other thing you said about um, you only ever be a good coach uh, until you work with more people is I had a similar thought yesterday and I was thinking about how to articulate content. But it's like I follow a bunch of PTs who are, are friends and stuff like that. And the amount of times that I see them, I know behind the scenes, they massively struggle with marketing, consistency with content, all of that sort of stuff. They just don't get it or they don't want to get it and they don't want to try. But the amount of times they'll go on another advanced PT course or something like that, I've got zero against people furthering their knowledge of being a better personal trainer. Absolutely, go do that. But if you've got a massive problem in the fact that you cannot sell all of these skills you're requiring, then you're just shying away from the real problem. And maybe you should shift your focus to do more of the stuff you don't like or outsource it or whatever, and then do a little bit of that extra PT stuff. But yeah, I, th I just think that PTs just naturally, and, and it's not their fault, but they don't want to be marketers. Uh, and then it's, so it's really understanding like a uh, your client doesn't want to be a nutritionist. They just want to learn enough to be able to get a result. And it's the same thing. Like you don't need to be a marketer. You just need to know enough to be able to sell something. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like breaking down that mystique of you've got to know all the, like you say, these fancy terms, you've got to know things inside out. You don't really, you just got to get a lot of basics in place and you just do them consistently as boring as that sounds. Yeah. It, it, as you were talking about that, I was like thinking a lot of that is quite a subtle change. So as you were saying, like, you know, it's the difference between being like something about protein or saying these are three ways I help my clients get protein into their diet. Right. Cause yeah. then even like you're still giving value for free, mm -hmm. but you're also reminding them I'm a coach. You can work with me. This is how I help people. Right. Yeah. And on the surface, if you're not like on the surface, if you were looking at someone else's content, you might be like, oh yeah, Emma did a post about protein. So did somebody else do a post about protein, but like which one's driving the business? Sure. The one that frames you as the coach that gives an example that has a bit of a client story that has a testimonial of someone being like, oh my God, yeah. I thought I was doing everything right, but I wasn't eating any protein. And that's why I was always so hungry, right? And it's the same like piece of advice, just quite a subtle difference. So mm -hmm. I think this is where a lot of coaches get disheartened because they're like, I am posting every day. I am talking about these topics. I am, you know, using the quote unquote pain points or like problems that my clients have. Mm -hmm. If you're not approaching or framing it in the right way, it won't actually contribute towards an increase yeah. in business. Hundred percent. And I think the 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 key thing like you're you're saying there is that the content itself has to be niche specific, because the one thing that I would get someone to do if they were said that they were posting every day, they're talking about pain points and nothing's happening. I would get them to audit their last nine posts. And I would say to them, imagine that you know nothing about your business. You can't read the bio, nothing. All you, you've got is these nine squares in front of you. Can you tell who you help, and what you help them do from just looking at the content? Or is it a case that you've just got very generic content that could apply to anybody in any niche. Like you're talking about how many, how much protein can you, I don't know, absorb in a, in one sitting or whatever you're busting that myth. Have you phrased that in a way that's meaningful to a stay at home mum versus a woman who's working 14 hours in a corporate office? Have you been able to take that same message and make it more relevant to the, audience that you've chosen or have you just sat there and delivered a fact because a facts are correct they're valuable but they're not memorable and when you know someone's looking at potentially dozens of coaches and they've got content just streamed at them all the time which one stands out just raw facts or something that felt like actually that that does that clicks with me because you put it in that context that means something to me, or I, I think about things like that, or, you know, it'd be a simple thing like, I don't know, uh, like when you sat at your, so when you sat at your desk and you've got, you know, your 
food in front of you, how much of that protein are you actually absorbing? Like literally just saying that you're sat at your desk doing this makes it a touch more relevant. If you are, again, like it's, it's better than just saying a fact. And I think that one of the issues that a lot of coaches come, come to is that they're taught to look at avatar, they're taught to, you know, create these ideal scenarios or whatever. Most of the time, those exercises are relatively pointless because what happens is that they do the exercise, they update their bio, and then they forget it. And then nothing, nothing else happens. But the, the niching process goes far beyond just what you write in your bio. You can say, I help busy professionals, or I help busy mums, or I help whoever. But unless your content screams that you help those people, then that's not niching. That's just writing a sentence in your bio. And I think, again, that's one of the disconnects is the, the thread of who you help and the niche that you've chosen has to exist in everything. So it has to exist, not in, just in the bio, but in the stories that you share, in the content that you share, in the service that you create is one of the main things. Because it, the funny thing is like, if I get a coach to describe their service and they go, well, I do personalized nutrition, bespoke training program, uh, weekly check-ins and I've got a Facebook group. Right, right. So how is that geared to busy mum, working mum, you know, stay at home, dad, whatever. How is this geared to that person? And they just don't have an answer. The other thing is, you know, when you're like marketing something, rolling monthly is factually true. That's what's going to happen, but it's not very exciting to, 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 um, like, um, be a part of. And one of the examples that I use in my course is just like a, just to illustrate the point is that let's say, for example, you've developed a workout program. That means that people can get a decent workout in 30 minutes. That's, that's your like protocol. That's your shtick. Now you could have that as, um, you could call that lean on your lunch break. Right. So lean on your lunch break suits someone who's working in an office environment, like half an hour, quick to the trip to the gym, workout, come back. Right. You could call it leaning your living room because that would appeal to someone who wants to do home workouts. So even subtle things like what you name the things that you're marketing straight away start to alienate people you don't want and they attract the people you do want. So if I had leaning your living room, the gym bro who wants to spend two hours a day in the gym prepping for his show, not interested in my program. And that's good because I've just immediately cut him out of the equation, literally just by selecting the right name. Whereas if I called it group coaching or one-to-one -one coaching, it's a little bit like, I don't know if this is for me or not. So I think there's a lot of subtle things that you can just do and get right that have a massive impact. And I think the overarching thing of my massively long-winded answer to a question you didn't ask was that um, it all needs to connect. It all needs to connect. If it doesn't connect, it's just a little bit, like I said before, like just lobbing stuff over a wall and hoping stuff happens. Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. It actually answers so like a couple of the questions that I had here anyway. Okay. But one thing that I've really noticed, and as you were saying, like lean on your lunch break or lean in your living room and all this stuff, naming things even if they're like methods or theories or yeah. anything has such a massive impact mainly for people to remember like I use this with clients more so people remember the things that I'm talking about but with mm -hmm. your programs and stuff as well like people remember a name they won't remember like Emma's group coaching it's like generic as shit right but they remember yeah, yeah. commit clicks right yeah, yeah. or I have this method called the three to one method right it's not like it's literally just have more structure during your day so that you can have more flexibility in your evening. I've been mm -hmm. speaking about it literally for years. I use it with most of my clients. As soon as I named it about a month ago, it was like people were like, oh, yeah, so I'm just going to do this three to one method. Right. Yeah. And they, they fully understand it way more because there's a little bit more structure to it and they're way more likely to stick to it and they buy into it much more. So mm -hmm. if you have like concepts or principles that you want to explain as well, I think naming them is massively underrated now off the back of that i have a question for you because it's something i've been thinking about a lot and i don't think i fully have an answer for it yet but okay. one of the reasons i think that people really struggle to sell one-to-one -one coaching 
as opposed to like a group coaching program right so with commit six we have a launch like as an example of this and there's various reasons for this but I left commit six open for January I didn't really push it but throughout the whole of January we had 12 signups Mm-hmm. And then I did a launch in February with a start date, with an end date, with a, you know, like you can't sign up until now. And this is when we start, blah, blah, blah. We had 125 signups. That's okay. mad, right? And I only pushed it for two weeks. Yep. And and like, I don't know, probably could have done things way better. It was a couple of emails and it was like consistent lives. So the difference there to me is like, there's some urgency there. You have to sign up now or it's going to be seven weeks until the next intake. That pushes people over the edge because most people, like most people who have been putting out good content and have some kind of business, have a lot of people that are like warm sitting on the fence, kind of like, I'll probably sign up with Emma one day, but it will just be at the right time. The right time, as we know, literally never comes. So there has to be a reason that it should be now. Mm -hmm. The problem with one-to-one coaching is usually you can literally sign up whenever you want. Yeah. So how do you create that scarcity or that urgency? to get people to go from like, yeah, I'll definitely do it one day, but next week is my son's birthday and the week after that it will be Christmas or blah, 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 right? I mean, you're right. There's not necessarily like, there's not like the really specific answer like you you gave there with a group program. You can just do this, 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 and this. Now you could, with a one-to-one coaching program, still have intakes if you wanted to, because let's say, for example, that you go through a process where every client you on board is a one-to-one process. You like to have a 90 minute call. You like to spend a lot of time doing form checks to make sure, I don't know, whatever you do to maybe that process of onboarding a client is quite detailed. And therefore, realistically, you couldn't take on 30 people in one go because it would just be too much work. You couldn't physically deliver it. So you can then say, not necessarily that um, I'm putting a cap on total numbers but i'm putting a cap on the number of people i'm taking on this month or in the next two months and then i'll open up a few more spaces and then i'll open up a few more spaces because you want to keep this uh process and this coaching service as personalized as you possibly can and you don't want to um mess that up and give a poor quality service by just you know taking on 50 people at one time so you can create some scarcity around, so like, say, for example, every two months you take on, you open up 10 new spots. So you're not saying that I only ever have 10 spots and these are the only 10 spots that exist, which would be probably lying because you probably take on like 50 if you could, but you take them on in chunks. So you could do that. Um, one of the other things that I've done in the past is say, for example, like sometimes you just want to get people to do something and sometimes it's like if they're really on the edge all they need is a little like bonus that a freebie or something like that so if there's any resources or you want to throw in an extra coaching call or there's something else that you can attach to that package that maybe has a time limit to it that can be enough to push people over over the edge um into Uh, investing in your coaching so sometimes with one-to-one coaching you have to be a a little bit creative with it Mm -hmm. um so again there's no like easy answer to that but i think you can still create some of that scarcity around that program by having certain intakes um so there's, there's that the other thing you can do is for example you could what i predominantly used to do i don't do it so much now is that i have Basically, on my content, I don't really sell anything. And all the selling happens on email. So you can kind of create email as this like exclusive club. Like if you want to be on my online coaching program, well, I'm only going to advertise it to people on my email list. So you got to jump on. And then you can use that email list and the regular emails that you send to nurture that person through. Because when you're posting content, uh, you don't have any control over the the people that see it when they see it the sequence of messages that they see and stuff like that so sometimes it's easier to convert on email um so what you'll see now for me is i promote a five pound offer which is effectively a lead magnet it's not you know it's uh one eighth of my course so it's a it's a lead magnet because 
I'm going to do, I'm going to do the real selling on email. I'm not going to do the real selling on social media because yes, you can do it. But for me, it's far more effective to do it on email. So you can create almost a little bit of scarcity in the sense that if you want access to this coaching program, you have to be on my email. You cannot apply it through Instagram. Mm -hmm. Now that's maybe for someone who's not just starting out. Cause when you're just starting out, you probably just yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking this is possible. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally, I think this advice works amazingly well if you've already got a bit of a business going. Yeah. But like, for example, one, one issue is like, okay, I'm going to do my first intake of coaching. Like, you know, you have to sign up at this point. There's only five spaces, blah, blah, blah. You sell five spaces, but then it's like, if you want to not lie to your audience, which people will remember, mm -hmm then you can't the next week be like more one-to-one -one spaces have magically appeared. Right. And you start pushing one-to-one <laughs> -one again. Right. Yeah. So it's like, now you've got to not sell for a month before your next intake happens, even though out of those five spaces, you know, your first intake, you only got two people. Yeah. So now you're coaching two people for a month and then it's like, and I know there are other ways of selling and like, I'm very much similar. I'm like given public sell in private. So whether that's in DMS or emails mm -hmm. or like WhatsApp or whatever, I'm not like, yeah direct selling on social media is never going to do well but if you can lead them into something else or if you can give first then mm -hmm. they'll come they're more likely to come to you but that does take more time yeah. right like the only reason and it, i mean the paying five pounds is one thing but even like the only reason i would give you my email is because i already value the free content that i've got sure. from you enough in order to yeah. do that so that takes time and like rapport to build Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, um, it's why, like, if I was starting out from scratch is that I'd have multiple ways of trying to get a client. Like, um, so for example, I would be looking at referrals. I'd be revisiting old clients and all that sort of stuff. I'd be, if I was an in-person PT, I'd be looking to transition, you know, in-person clients online. Um, you would be looking to rapidly, if you could grow your network. So it could be that you jump on podcasts and get your, your name out to multiple people. You might do collaborative lives with other people with a similar size audience and you're, you're sharing, you're collaborating, you're moving forward like that. Um, because it's always going to be tough. Like, um, getting that the first like one to 10 clients is way harder than getting the next 10 to 50 clients. Right. So it's oh, yeah. all, it's a little bit like the whole habit thing, like the, you're doing the good stuff now for the payoff further down the line. And it is going to be that lag between the two. And you kind of got to accept that a little bit. And that's maybe why for most coaches doing the online alongside the in-person for a period of time so that you, that lag, you're not like, I need to pay the mortgage now. So I'm desperate. So now I'm just going to, you know, um, spam everybody with all these messages is that, okay, I've got this in-person income coming in that helps me live. And I'm going to build this online thing on the side. I'm going to do all the right things and I'm going to wait for the payoff. I'm not going to rush it. I'm not going to try and just like take the marketing equivalent of fat burners and waist trainers and stuff like that. I'm going to let do the right things. Like I would say to my client, I'm going to let time, patience and consistency take its course. And then things will start to, to happen and change and, and stuff like that. So a lot of it depends on where the person is in their business. Like you can use different tactics if you've got clients versus you've got zero clients. And if you've got 10 clients versus five clients, you'd use different tactics there. So it's difficult to give like a one size fits all answer. It just depends, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got quite a lot of questions from the group, which I realise selfishly I've not even looked at yet. Rattle so I'm going to run through okay. some of them. Um, the first one is actually from me. I know. So one thing that I struggle with, um, at least a little bit, is like the balance between coaching and working on my bit, you know, whether it's coaching or mentoring. Mm -hmm and social media and the reason i say that is because like i'm not massively tech savvy but i'm like middle ground right making good content takes quite a lot of time right mm -hmm. not just like i think i've got the ideas but it's like when i see people like your videos are great but like i'm like oh it's, it's a bit zoomed in and then there's another angle and then there's like these captions and that and then a photo's popping up and i'm like 
and often I'll see coaches and and quite honestly like coaches like maybe coaches on AFM or coaches that I know like often I don't know like certain coaches I'm thinking of that like I know don't have a big coaching business but their content is great right? right and I'm like is that because their balance between social media and coaching is maybe swayed more towards like as an example like being a content creator is a full-time job like Mm -hmm. when sometimes people say to me yeah I think I might start on YouTube I'm like no not unless (laughs) you already have a background in like video editing or you've got a team of people behind you because like to do that well you need to be really good at that and that's like you know people do that full-time there Mm -hmm. isn't time to then run a coaching program and actually you said this at the start you were like online trainers now are marketers with a side project of online training right like a lot of people the people with probably the biggest programs spend most of their time marketing them and the least time coaching Mm -hmm. now as someone who does what I do because I actually really like coaching like I got into this because I love coaching and I still Mm -hmm. do same with the mentoring side like I really like the mentoring side as opposed to just the the marketing side of it Mm -hmm. even though I realize both obviously have a place you can't really have one without the other long long winded way of saying like what's your opinion on that and how have you found that there's a balance there because obviously it's you've got a different coaching business but it's still a coaching business like how much time do you spend sure marketing Um, your business versus in your business so a lot of it comes down to my opinion the business that you want to create that makes you happy so for me uh people might not get it from my content but i'm quite an introverted person so i a lot of one-to-one calls is literally like mentally and physically draining for me. So I purposely only have five one-to-one clients at any one time. I I physically, I would start to give a poorer service to those one-to-one clients because I'd just be physically like drained from that process. Cause it's not just the one-to-one, they have like an hour call um, once every other week, whatever but it's not just that it's the in-between it's thinking about their business. It's trying to give them the good ideas. It's trying to respond to all their questions. Look at their captions. Look at it. There's a lot involved. And if I was trying to do that for 40 people, I'd just be like, I don't want to do this no more. Um, so for me personally, that's why I have like a group program. That's why I have a course because my time and energy, I know that I enjoy sort of the teaching side of things. I love jumping on a group coaching call, fielding a bunch of questions that are all different from different people and thinking about different problems in different ways and solving them for I love that. So I created the business for me that means that I can can do that. So in terms of actually how much coaching time I invest every single day, it's not a huge amount because I've got five one-to-one clients who I keep tabs on throughout the course of the week and I do a, a, a coaching call with them for an hour and then there's a bunch of people who are taking a course so they're going through the course material they're jumping on a group coaching call once a week or they're asking questions in the group so all I do is make sure that twice a day I go into that group and I answer any questions that are sat there waiting for me it's not a huge amount of work and then so that allows me to then go work on the business and do the the content and stuff like that, which allows me to do something. That, I mean, my videos, to be honest, are not that hard. They're really simple to do. Um, yeah, but, but, but there's different levels. You know, simple's different for everyone. Okay, right? Sure, Leave me alone. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, so it allows me to think about that content a little bit more. It allows me to kind of put um, good content out there. And to be honest, like if you look at my content from maybe three or four weeks ago, I was in Paris kind of on a semi holiday and I wasn't that interested in making content. I didn't make a, I didn't make record a single video for a month. Um, luckily I had a bunch of content already pre-recorded. Um, but I just didn't, I just didn't feel that inspired and I didn't feel like my, I felt like my ideas were good, but they weren't coming across the way I wanted and stuff like that. So having that month out, and just saying, like, I'm just not really going to create that much content in terms of like physically sit down and record something has allowed me now my next batch of content. I feel a lot more energized about the whole process. So I think that like sometimes you, you get into those situations. But in terms of a balance between coaching and, and content, I think that it becomes very person specific. 
So I'll have people like, if you've got no clients, you got bags of time to create some good content. <laughs> um, so that's one thing. If you're maxed out and you're like coaching a hundred people one-to-one, you need the fastest way to create content possible. And so again, they're like two very, very different solutions to this effectively the same problem, which is, you know, uh, making content. So for example, um, I did a post about, um, Amelia does like, um, videos with text over the front, which are like, she seems to just take a video of a, a selfie video on a camera, wax a meaningful message on it, add a trending audio, push it out there. That to me, I mean, she'd probably say different, but that takes maybe 10 minutes. If that. Oh no. Uh, yeah. She would agree. Yeah. So 10 minutes to create a meaningful piece of content is not that much. And you know what, like 70 minutes, if you're doing one post a week is like, it's, everyone's got that right. Um, you can make that sort of content, just sat having a coffee in a coffee shop. You don't have to have the laptop and the, the lighting and, and stuff like that. So sometimes it's about saying, you know what, I really would love to create the video with the, the jump cuts and the pictures and the captions and all that sort of stuff. But right now where I'm at in my business, I just do not have the capacity to do that, but I need to get something out there. So really the most important thing is the, the video is the vehicle for the message. And yes, you can create a fancy video that communicates that message in a glorious technicolor way. But if the message is good enough, if the content is good enough, then you can almost push it out in a very, very basic way. So it's about, I think what coaches should strive for is having lots of different content formats. And I don't just mean like a reel, but like you've got 10 different ways you could create a reel. So it might be a text over video like Amelia does. It might be screenshot of a tweet. It might be um, a nice video. It might be a cut of a podcast or whatever. You've got all these different options and you know that these ones down this center of the scale take five minutes and these ones take you an hour. Okay, so right, this week I've got zero time. Okay, so I'm going this end of my scale and I'm gonna put content out that looks like this. And then when you've got more time, you go to the other end of the scale and say, you know what, I'm actually going to put some more time into creating this look a little bit more fancy and stuff like that. Um, but I think the thing I come back to is this book up here, which is On Writing Well. He There's a quote in there. He said that design is the vehicle for the written word. And it basically is that the message is more important than the mechanism. The mechanism being the real, you know, what people get bogged down in, do I need trending audio? Do I need hashtags? Do I need like jump cuts? Well, if the message is not good enough, doesn't matter what the hashtags you doesn't matter if you use jump cuts, doesn't matter if anything like that. Um, so focus on the message first, then focus on the next part of the equation is how fast can you get that in front of somebody? And sometimes the answer is, well, I need the 30 second option. Sometimes it is, I've got a bit more time. I'm going to create the nice video. Um, yeah. I don't, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think what's interesting is I always think that, and I, and I know this is like not even arguing semantics, but just looking at it from diff different perspective, mm -hmm. the message matters, but I think the delivery matters massively, mm -hmm. even just from like, it's a difference between me saying something to camera in a slow confident like reassuring way versus even me saying it's camera but looking like I'm like a bit frazzled and then yeah. and then saying um and ah a million times and blah blah blah, sure. blah or I don't know a voiceover or just it written like I think mm -hmm. it does hit in different ways and I don't know like what your thoughts on like the connection between you actually showing up on camera and talking to camera, especially with online work. It's like, yeah. can you actually create a relationship with someone from seeing their tweets or actually yeah. is it that you need a bit of all of that stuff? So like you need to see someone on camera, but maybe not every day. Like it should sure. be that you've seen me say this, but also you like this tweet where I said it because hopefully at some point, and like, this mm -hmm. is where you want to get to. It's like, I heard that in your voice in my head. Yeah. Right, because they've heard you talk about it on a podcast or mm -hmm. on a reel or something. Yeah. So the way I'd look at it is it's a bit like um, the importance of nutrition things for fat loss, for example. So the calorie 
energy balance is the most important thing, but it's not the only important thing. So understanding that getting the message out there versus not is the most important equation. So there's no point sitting on the content because you you feel like you can't communicate it in a, you can't, I haven't got the time to sit in front of the camera or whatever. I would, I often argue with, uh, I don't argue, but I often challenge um, coaches on my course to say that I don't believe you don't have the time to sit in front of a camera and record it. Like literally you could just get this like that and just go, here's my piece yeah. of content for you. Thanks very much. Like, it takes 20 seconds. Um, so I say you basically need, you need a good idea, a smartphone in 20 seconds and you've got some content. Um, so yes, the absolutely 100%, like the bells and whistles of a video getting in front of a camera, you communicating, especially as the coaches that are listening to this are talking about nutrition. They're talking about health. They're talking about something that's very personal to the individuals they're trying to attract. Are you really going to break down that brick wall we spoke about earlier with a tweet? You might capture some interest. You might like um, have a little light bulb moment happen in someone's brain, but are you going to convert them to coaching if that's all you ever posted? No is the answer. So I think that there's stages. If you're at the stage where you're crippled by the fact that you can't get over the fact that your videos have to be amazing and therefore you're literally posting nothing, then you're at the stage of just post something, like get that message out there. And then it's a case of, okay, well, I've got my calorie deficit equivalent in place. Now I need to start thinking about my protein intake, my fiber. And they're the things like, mm -hmm. okay, now I need to get on my face on camera a little bit more. Now I need to work on the delivery. So I'm not umming and ahhing. I'm getting to the point very quickly and it's easy to understand. Now I'm kind of getting into, you know, supplements and using props and making everything all kind of whiz bang or whatever. So it's understanding that there's that, that structure to it and thinking that you know you're always trying to make things a little bit better um so yeah so it comes down to where they're at if they're just not posting anything i would kind of just say what's the easiest way for you to get something out there uh, but 100 percent, the design matters and the delivery matters and it matters more if you're delivering content about something which is very very personal to somebody um so yeah so you, you can't get away with tweets every day put it that way Damn it. Okay, <laughs> right. I'm going to fire through some of these. Go for it. Number one, does the time of day you post actually matter? Yes and no. Um, so basically, the advice from Instagram is that everyone will be slightly different. You go into your insights in Instagram and look at where the peak of your audience is. Their recommendation is to post three to four hours before then. So let's say your peak is like, seven then posting around three or four might be good that's one way to look at it you then might layer on on top of that like what is your niche doing around that time so let's say for example you're focusing on people who've got kids so around 3 30 they're hanging around the school gates picking up the kids they're not probably focused on instagram so posting around like that 3 4 o'clock window might be a bad time so you might have to kind of like blend those two things together. So you can think about it like that if you want. Um, I would, again, start answering that question once there's some level of consistency. Like, don't worry about time of day of posting if you're not posting at all. Um, again, about that, like, nutrition pyramid style thing. The other way to look at it is that anecdotally, and again, this is not, like, proven by any stretch of the imagination, a lot of content creators say that, if you post at the same time every single day, then the algorithm has some form of expectation or predictability about the fact you're going to post something and these certain people like that so that they do. Now, that could be complete and utter bullshit, <laughs> but some people really prescribe to it. And for some people like me, I just do that because I'm very structured. So there's a post that goes out at eight. There's a post that goes at this time. And so that's just easy for me. There's no, I don't really pay any attention to um, the time of day um, other than the fact that for me, for my niche, which is going to be very different to everybody else's, is that if I was posting one 
per post a day. I post it at 12 p.m. And the reason for that is that it's kind of in like lunchtime. It's kind of like a dead spot, maybe. I've got people from, say, Dubai and that side of the world still awake. I've got people from America coming online. It's kind of like slap bang in the middle. So that kind of works for me trying to hit all these demographics. Um, but yeah, you can overthink it um, to your detriment, or you can have just a little bit of forethought and just try and work it in there. But it doesn't matter yeah. a huge amount. I think the routine of doing it at the same time every day, whether it benefits the algorithm or not, yeah. benefits you because sure. you're more likely to stick to a habit if you're doing it at the same time every day, 100%. right? So if it's in your schedule of like, I wake up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee, I write a social media post, I post it on the way to the gym at half seven, done, yeah, cool. Exactly. doesn't exactly. like really matter. And but it is you... surprising that some people will actually be like, well, I was going to post, but it was already 10 a.m. and right. like 8 peak time you're like literally that's the worst excuse i've ever heard (laughs) yeah yeah and most of the time is um as as we all know with clients around nutrition and stuff like that the moment they start focusing in on stuff that would be very very minor and they're not necessarily getting results we know that they're missing something major um Mm -hmm. so we don't solve that they might ask the question up here but we have to solve the problem down there and it's the yeah. same with this. If like, if someone's not getting leads from Instagram and they're asking um, what time of day they should post, well, I'll answer the question, but really there's a, a bigger problem that needs to be addressed that you're probably avoiding. Not that that's the yeah. case for that person, but yeah. Um, okay, next question. What are the best metrics to monitor? Okay, um, so I, I would say leads and sales, literally. Like if you're posting on social media to get leads and sales. So if you're not getting leads and sales, it's not working, whichever way you look at it. Um, so that would be the first thing that I would monitor. So I'd be looking at, I, I use keywords a lot in my content. And the reason why I use a keyword in my content, so for example, it will be like comment bio five or whatever, is that I can physically track how many leads each individual post generated. So I know that that type of content generates me leads versus that one that doesn't. So there's an example that I gave to my email list where it got like, I don't know, 12, 15,000 views generate me one lead. Whereas three other posts that got less than 10,000 combined generated me 35 leads. So I was like, well, what content am I going to go and create? Am I going to go and create the one that got me loads of views, but actually didn't generate me any leads? Or am I going to say, well, actually those three posts must've really hit my niche in the right spot and generated some interest. So I'm not gonna follow my ego and create tons of content that is gonna get me views that doesn't get me any business. Uh, I'm gonna go and create stuff that generates me leads. So being able to track leads and sales is hugely important. Um, Aside from that- Just on that note, is there an element of playing the game where you're like, okay, I know this video of me squatting from behind, not myself. (laughs) That is going to get like I know it's mad right but that's going to get me a load of views right mm-hmm. might even go viral but is that going to pick you up any clients no mm-hmm. is there an element though of still being like I'm going to get some I'm going to do some content that I know will yeah hopefully like yeah be seen so, by more people and some that's useful yeah so basically um in my course I teach people this thing called the gravity method which we're talking about naming stuff right um so there's three components one is your world so this is about like your mission your values um your products your services logos what's people see then you've got the actual people so defining the audience and then you've got the gravity which is the content that attracts the people to your little world and keeps them there so that's all like the niche specific stuff but then there's a like a sub element of that method called satellite content, which is effectively just saying, I'm going to shoot stuff up to a wide audience and see if I can pull in some people that happen to be in my niche. I might pull in a bunch of people who have nothing to do with what I talk about. But in that, let's say you get 100,000 views. In that 100,000 views, I might get 100 people that are in my my niche 
So that was worth doing. So the way that I describe it is you really want to focus on this like core niche element, but every now and then, yeah, just throw up that like wider piece of content. So the example that I often give is that you could create a niche piece of content about mindset, about that being related to weight loss and that being related to being able to stick to a goal and stuff like that. That that would might be like a niche piece of content, depending on how you did that. You could strip away all references to weight loss, all references to fitness, and just talk about mindset and achieving a goal. Then that piece of content becomes very applicable to lots of people. So rather than making all of your content niche specific, you can just throw up these pieces of content to say, you know what, I am just going to try and just grab a bunch of people. And that is a, a valid tactic. You just don't want to do that all the time. Because uh, then it just becomes a little bit of a mess as to what you do and who's your audience and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that comes back to like, which metrics are you looking at? Like, mm -hmm. do you want to be, do you want viral videos or do you want a big business? Yeah. And depending it, on what outcome you want, like your content's going to be different. Yeah. And I mean, the, in, when you're looking at um, metrics and stuff like that, you can look at uh, obviously, you know, views, reach, stuff like that. It's important. And again, it's like that nutrition pyramid. Like, where does it sit on that importance level? If you've got third-party software, like I use Flick, which is like um, a tool for posting and hashtags and analytics and stuff like that, you can measure things like conversion rate, which is a good one, because what conversion rate is, is how many people visited my profile and then hit the follow button. So if you're doing something like updating your Instagram bio, you can say, right, okay, I'm going to make this one tweak and my conversion rate at the moment is 20%. So did that one tweak take me from 20% to 30%? And then you can actually track rather than just going like, oh, I just feel like changing my bio today and see what happens. Is you can be very, very specific and say, right, conversion rate is 20%. Let's make this change. Are more people, are more visitors following me because my bio is speaking to them? Yes, I had a 10% uplift. Cool. Awesome. That's great. Let's move on and do that. Um, engagement rate is a good one. So that is basically the number of people that saw the post versus did something on that post, whether they liked it, saved it, shared it, commented, stuff like that. So you can get these posts, like the tweet posts are the good example. Like you'll see a lot of people put out a tweet on a video as it's a reel and it's got no real video element to it. They'll potentially get high amount of reach and views because it's like a two second clip so the completion time is high so then it's good for the algorithm right but in terms of engagement rate some of those can be really low because it's like huh, yeah and then they move on yeah i watched it but what else you got for me um whereas if i did like um i use the example again i did a, a video about emilia's post and the engagement rate on that was very high it was a minute and a half video. Um, so potentially the, I mean, the views were re actually reasonably good, but um, yeah, I would go more towards that like engagement rate scenario because I want to see like what content is generating some form of like uh, emotion to take an action. That's kind of what I'm interested in. A lot of it comes down to in terms of metrics, like what result do you want? If you want more views, if the post is designed to get views, measure the views. If the post is, was designed to get you some leads, measure the leads. Um, mm -hmm. So understanding the outcome, I think, is the, the key thing. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully this will be a quick one. Um, do hashtags work? Um, yes and no. So on a reel, what you need to think about is, search engine optimization. So you use that for like a, an article on a website, right? You put some work keywords in there and it would help it, you know, rank on Google. Instagram basically uses the same thing on a reel. So don't think about the hashtag as a way for you to get more reach and more views. That probably isn't going to make any difference whatsoever, but think about it as a way to help Instagram categorize what the post is about so that they can better match your content with the right audience. For example, if you did a post about protein and you used um, habits, change your life, all these sorts of things, it's just like, what the hell is this post about? Whereas if you said hashtag protein, protein foods, whatever, high protein diet, then it's that signal to the algorithm that 
this post is about protein. So go show it to people who are interested in stuff about protein. And on a real zero to five hashtags, probably the ballpark you want to be in any more than that. And it's probably just, you know, probably doing yourself more harm than good. On a regular post, you can go as high as you like. Um, but the key thing is making sure that everything's relevant. So similarly, don't just pick hashtags because you think you want to hack into some weird group of people. Think about what is this post about and use the relevant hashtags associated with that. What about now on a reel, you can put it in a, is it a category or like? Topic. Topic, yeah. Yeah. So that to me is, again, a similar way of categorization. Um, so I recommend for fitness coaches that they use it whether it has a massive difference to your reach and stuff like that, who knows, test it out for people like me and you in the, like a mentorship side of things, there's very limited categories for stuff that we would talk about. So I typically for my own content, don't really use them because I don't find that there's a topic category that really suits what I'm doing. Um, but for fitness professionals, there's lots in there that are useful. So there's ones around, I think there's ones around nutrition, fitness, workout, home workout, powerlifting yeah, whatever so interestingly none around nutrition none around oh, okay. diet but you're right like maybe that's like, on purpose because yeah want, no um, i think so like, but there's like home workout body weight workouts strength training that kind yeah. of stuff but yeah I, there's I'd none and them, then i, I think expect... sorry, sorry go ahead, go ahead. Uh, i wouldn't expect like a massive boost in reach or anything but i'd probably use it um just uh if it had a five ten percent uplift then cool all right then okay last question scheduling content i read that it's better for engagement if you post and then reply to the comments straight away is this true um so what instagram so the answer is yes um so if you post and reply straight away that assumes you're going to get some comments that's the first thing um no but like what about old comment like so say like i'll post something yeah. This is partly because I only go on Instagram certain times of the day, but like I'll post in the morning. Now, obviously, as soon as I've posted, there's no comments, but I'll reply to the comments from whatever else has been going on. Right. Does that okay. help in any way? So the the way you want to think about it is that Instagram gives you this sort of like, I don't know, reach pipeline. Let's call it that. Um, so when you post a piece of content, it goes out to people who it thinks are going to like this piece of content. Right. If the interaction and the engagement on that post in the early stages is high, it'll start to widen that pipeline and spread it to more people. So if you posted at 7 a.m. and people started commenting, then that's going to increase that pipeline, right? If you go and then respond to those comments and maybe you start engaging in a bit of conversation with those people so now one comment turns into two three four five whatever because you're having a genuine conversation with someone well instagram is going well this post is people are loving this post so let's kind of expand it if you have the comments and then wait for say five hours let's say then it's not going to have the same effect mm. uh, i would say so at the at the least what I would say is post and then just kind of just hang around for 15 minutes and see what, what happens. If you get some comments, respond to them. If you get none, move on with your day um, and yeah. then come back to it later. So I think that if you can do something in that first 15 to 30 minutes and it's not going to basically just crucify uh, like what you're trying to do and it's not going to ruin your day or whatever, um, just hang around, see if there's some interaction and then um, respond to that interaction just to try and give yourself a little bit more of that early reach advantage. Do you remember on Facebook when you used to post and then if you left it for three hours and then you commented again, it would like come right back up to the top of the algorithm, like on people's news feeds? The, the days of Facebook <laughs> making it easier were, were great. Yeah, <laughs> you could just pretty much time. do anything. Yeah. Those are the days. Yeah, and literally everyone would see every single post. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, they, they had the horrific days of um, in Facebook ads when they first came out. You could literally just say anything you wanted. Like, I mean, I saw adverts of basically saying, Oi, fatty, do you want to lose some weight? And that was allowed back there, back in the day. I mean, there wasn't ever quite like that, but the sentiment was. Yeah. The same. 
um God. but yeah you, there's a lot of things you could get away with and weird things you could do in facebook in the olden days yeah although i might like maybe in five years i'll be saying oh I remember on instagram when you could just post whenever you wanted and blah 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 yeah. and, oh. you could just those were the good old days yeah. yeah um okay thank you so much for your time that's been so useful for me and i hope it's useful to anyone that's listening where can people find you and where can they find out about your course sure they can go to my instagram profile which is at i am simon mitchell and if they want to find out about my course click the link in the bio at the moment you can get a basically the first module of the course for a fiver and test it out and see if it's what you want you can also go to socialmavericks.co and that's basically the website where if you want to read about the courses and stuff like that, that's the place to go. Awesome. Okay. Thanks again. No problem. Au revoir.